Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fortales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at VigorBranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fortales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey everyone, and we're back after a little bit of a summer hiatus, and we're kicking things off with my friend Brian Hassan. He's the co-CEO of Kickfin, which we are going to really dig into today. Uh, it's really an amazing system that I'm pumped about. But before we get in there, Brian, say hello. Give a little bit of backstory. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Been following uh, you for quite some time, and it was you know great to connect with you in person at TRA um, two shows ago. A uh, little bit of background on myself, uh, based here in Austin, Texas, by way of San Francisco. Kickfin is uh, startup number three uh, for me. So uh, first two, we had built and sold to private equity, one in HR tech and one in insure tech. And so this is number three with the same co-founder, best friend, Justin Roberts, on this next adventure and really delighted to share a little bit about our viewpoints uh, from within the hospitality industry and answer any questions that the listeners are uh, interested in, in, in hearing answers still. Awesome. Yeah, I think so. For those that aren't familiar just yet, we will get into the nuances, but a uh, high level Kickfin is essentially, I think, changing the game with how restaurants tip out. And it's benefiting both the restaurants and the, uh, the team members as well. Um, when you start to dig into tip sharing and all these things, it, it just turns into kind of like a, a, a mess. So how one, how is Kickfin trying to change the game there? And then what have been one or a couple of those bigger challenges in shifting that focus and, and how tips are shared and paid out? Well, you know, Kickfin started when Justin, my co-founder and I uh, were sitting at a restaurant in San Francisco, uh, enjoying happy hour. And we saw an armored car pull up to this restaurant and we were just really confused in that we looked around and we looked at the patrons and people were paying their bills with their credit cards. And Justin and I didn't really see the need to have cash picked up by an armor car because in our mind, there just wasn't a lot of it. Um, so we had a conversation with the bartender who then uh, introduced us to the owner. And he had mentioned, well, cash isn't necessarily being picked up. It's being dropped off. And this is where we really scratched our head. Why? Um, and he mentioned, well, we need to pay our employees out at the end of every shift to be competitive. And so our background was in payroll and HR. And we said, well, why don't you just put it on payroll? And he gave me this look saying, hey, I tell you what, if I put it on payroll, they're going to walk across the street and work for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so really the light bulb went off. And that was the same time Uber and Lyft were using instant pay to recruit and retain their driver workforce. And we thought, well, why couldn't we deploy a solution similar uh, to what Uber and Lyft were uh, providing to pay their drivers? And uh, we field tested that coast to coast from SMB to enterprise. And what was interesting is the problem really persisted. And so we saw this unique challenge. We saw the success of it being deployed to recruit gig workers 
And uh, we decided to invest our own capital to build out the MVP product. And ironically, uh, Loomis, which is the largest cash and transit company in the United States, uh, was the first check into Kickfin during our seed round back in 2020. Oh, wow. So, um, that's a little bit about the story. It's how we got started. Um, came across a problem, found a solution. Uh, brought it to market, and uh, we're just really excited because you know, the hospitality industry uh, employs what we believe is the most one of the most essential uh, uh, workforces in America. And if we're able to build a product that provides employees a safer, more secure means of getting a vast majority of their earnings daily, like, that's a win for us. It's a win for them. That's right. Yeah, let's let's kind of tap into that a little bit. So there's, in, we're, we're in this. Um, <laughs> this weird world right now, inflation, probably most likely staring recession in the face. Um, and no matter whether our economy is up or down, there always seems to be a lot of heated discussions, all out brawls over compensation for the employees. Now, tipping gratuity is essentially one of the the, the biggest forms, I think, that is under under. Um, scrutiny and in contention because there are some beliefs that, well, uh, tipped employees don't report those on taxes. And um, for clarity purposes, when you're talking to that bartender, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but people would proverbially go across the street because they were able to get their tips that day as opposed to mm -hmm. having to wait to the check. So you weren't insinuating tax evasion. Um, however, I think they're in smaller towns, smaller communities. That is still very much a thing. So is that one of the challenges when you're selling this into a, a potential client is the hey, I don't know what my people do with that money and I don't really want to know? Or is that just a non-starter? It's actually not a challenge really at all for, for a few reasons. Uh, number one, we look traditionally 90 to 95% of transactions are done by credit card. So that transaction, that tip is recorded in POS today. So in the event, whether the federal or state uh, labor uh, boards want to actually take a look at what's actually being earned. They have the ability to do it in POS today. Um, I'll also say during the COVID pandemic, a lot of these employees, they went to file for unemployment and they were surprised that they were not getting as large of checks as they thought they would because they were under reporting um, their tips. Um, finally, we're also finding employees, they're um, being paid cash. Um, they're actually not depositing it that, that night. They're depositing it a few days later. And so when we talk about safety, we talk about security, we talk about it already being recorded in POS, and we talk about the fear of not qualifying for unemployment benefits of what they should be qualifying for. It's been a real non-issue for us. Um, in fact, uh, with our... Uh, in fact, our team actually finds that those that are actually running to the bank to pick up cash, now these are your smaller merchants, your one to $5 million per location merchants and restaurateurs, they're more apt to actually use the product because bank branches are closing, lines of the branches are longer, there's a liability in couriering cash that they're not disclosing to their workers, comp carriers, the list really goes on. Um, so in terms of the question of employees going to look for a place that they can get cash and not declare it, that's honestly, that's a very much a, a pre-COVID like way of thinking um, for the reasons that I just outlined. Yeah. And I imagine there's also safety concerns too. I mean, I, I remember 
back uh, during my life when I was in and around the restaurant industry, my friends, you know, they were working their way through college and things like that. Um, there was always a little bit of jealousy because, man, they walked around with fat stacks. But it's yeah. just because, like, their payday is every day. Every shift is their payday. Um, but in this day and age, especially in the larger cities, I mean, it, it's no news that we're seeing a huge increase in crime. And so I imagine that they're it's almost safer because they're not walking around with such uh, mm-hmm. li- liquid uh, cash in their pocket. Um, is that some feedback that you've heard from uh, employees or team members? Yep. Yeah. So it's interesting you bring that up. So we do a lot of work with some of the larger like nightlife groups in the United States. Let's use Riot Hospitality as, a, as an example. They partner with Dirks Bentley, Whiskey Row, and others. These employees are earning significant tips, right, alongside of other large nightclub venues that we work for. And what we've heard from employees is they've actually drive the adoption of Kickfin because for them, they feel safer and more secure knowing that they're not walking out with that George Costanza wallet, right, of cash. Um, And plus the fact of the matter is, is they're not typically running to the bank every single day to deposit the cash. Like, our sales team are all ex-hospitality employees, and so they can really share in the experience of having that you know drawer or shoebox full of cash, and a bill is coming up, and now they have to run to the bank to make that deposit. When we look at the demographic of the hospitality worker today, uh, they're using PayPal, Venmo, Square Cash app. Everything is digital. Um, the last frontier here is cash, and so. One of our biggest channels here at Kickfin is actually employee referrals. We know that the hospitality employee is transient. We know they're, uh, they're, they move from restaurant to restaurant, bar to bar, restaurant to bar to hotel. Um, and so when they go from using Kickfin to getting cash, they scratch their head and say, why are you not paying me digitally? I'll leave you with this. Uh, I drive down South Lamar and there's a uh, chain called, uh, it's a chain pizzeria uh, called Southside Pizza. And essentially, what they've done on their billboard is they're advertising, get paid daily with KickFin. And so what's really great to see is in the pizza delivery segment, they're using digital tip payments as a way to recruit drivers. We work with Marcos Pizza as an example, Mm -hmm. because they're going after the same talent that Uber and Lyft are going after. And so if we're able to provide an enterprise-grade payments product down to the SMB, and don't get me wrong, we work all the way up with with some very, very large groups, um, and and allowing them to use it as a way to recruit, retain drivers, be competitive with Uber and Lyft, um, we love doing that. But I say like the digital payments is, quite honestly, the preferred means of being paid and carrying currency around in a wallet. Um, Not safe, not secure, hard to track. and so, yeah, we've seen tremendous employee adoption in that regard. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I hate to repeat something that's been on the, 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 the lips of every single leader of every single industry, really. But, they, you know, the great resignation, I think it's, it's not even a word we want to use anymore. It's just actually become a fact of life in, in operations. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see uh, a forward-thinking leader realize that, the key is not to talk about how cool your culture is. I mean, that's part of it. Like, look, no one wants to work for jerks, but it really is hitting those pain points that people are, especially right now are, are facing, which is you're going to get paid today and you need that money mm-hmm. today, especially when you're talking about folks like delivery drivers and those gig workers. I mean, it is hopefully not paycheck to paycheck, but in a lot of ways, 
they rely on that paycheck every day um, as opposed to every two weeks or, or however they're being paid. So to see someone leverage that and then pay mm-hmm. to advertise it is a sign of good things to come, I think. You know, they're starting to realize that their labor isn't just um, another line item on the ledger. It really is the most valuable asset. And there are a lot of leaders that say that. that. You know what's crazy about that, too, is, you know, in a lot of states in the U.S., uh, these are tip credit states. So using Texas as an example, uh, here your your servers or tipped employees can be paid as low as $213 an hour. Mm-hmm. So when they look at their tips, their gratuities, that is really an 80 to 90% of their total income, a lion's share of their earnings. And so if you're able to actually pay that out daily to these employees, man, that's such a massive win. Uh, we've taken some groups that in some of these tip credit states that we're putting tips on payroll, they said, we are having a really hard time recruiting. We're offering job advancement. We're offering educational credits. We're offering, and I applaud this out-of-the-box thinking, but let's look around us in today's macroeconomic environment. What's the one benefit people want? They want more money, right? It's why mm-hmm. Sonic rolled out tipping at 2,000 of their locations. There's only so much you can charge for a burger and fries, right, uh, for the customer to come back. But if you provide the customer... Uh, the ability to tip those employees and provide those employees those gratuities daily, that's big in the recruiting game. Yeah, and I honestly, I mean, I know some places we're, we're trying to, uh, for a while there, get away from tipping. Um, and I think that's in an effort to realize a minimum wage. Um, and that's a whole other conversation that we really don't have to tap into today because I feel mm-hmm. like that's like 16 episodes. But um, in an effort to get to that minimum wage, it's like, okay, well, we're going to get rid of gratuity then. Um, yeah. And instead, we're going to do this, this, and this. But so you'll be guaranteed a certain amount of money. However, I, I've always felt that that's a disservice to the folks who are actually there and giving it. I won't say they're all, but doing a damn good job. Yep. And um, you know, for me, there, there's a part of me that realizes that if you're getting paid two thirteen an hour, that I think is a disservice to, to the human. But if you're able to pull in via gratuity because you're doing such a damn good job, you're able to pull in almost six figures, then I don't really care that your hourly rate wage is so low. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does separate um, the good from the bad as well. It's like, you know, if you come here and you you barely check the box, like you're just not going to realize the, the gratuity that you need to actually make a living. And maybe that's a, a very capitalistic way of, or meritocratic, meritocratic, meritocratic. Ooh, that might be the word. Um, meritocratic <laughs> way of uh, approaching, bringing people in. Cause you know, we are in the service industry, and I, I think a lot of team members of today kind of forget that. It's like, you know, we don't need you to punch the buttons on the uh, POS. We can do that on our own. But what we yep. do want is a little bit of maybe suggestions like, hey, I yep. love shrimp, but I'm ready to try something new. Help me out. And that kind of engagement is what begets gratuity. That was the re- at least the original purpose. Um, so do you have clients in your suite that you're seeing where there's measurable increases in, in, in team satisfaction as well mm-hmm. as... Yeah. T- tell me more about that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I want to actually, you hit on a good point. Um, listen, we're all about when we go in certain cases, when you go to a restaurant, you like speed and you like efficiency, the QR code order pay. I know what I want, right? That's yep. there's a time and there's a place for that. But Joe, I like, I, I am with you. I love it when I I'm, I'm going to a restaurant for an experience. I like to talk to the, the waiter, the waitress, the bartender. I like to ask, what would you personally eat? What would you recommend? 
what would you, I don't, now the decision is being put on myself. And again, time and a place for that, but automation can only, only go so far. And I believe there's a segment where it's suitable, but that personal touch is exactly why people seek out the hospitality space um, in times like now, like times where there's inflation happening and economic pressures. Um, I went out to dinner on Friday night here and the place was packed because you look around and sure menu prices are up, but people think back around the time the COVID hit, like, man, I really missed hospitality. It was such a big part of my life. And the yep. fact that something's happening today, um, will I pay more so that I can have the privilege of dining and feeling the energy of other patrons and talking with the bartender? And absolutely. I mean, in a work from home environment for a lot of people, having that personal connection and that personal relationship is super important. And I want to have the ability to reward that person for that personal touch and reward them for the fact that they're going above and beyond and coming in here every day to, to yep. go to work. Um, yeah. So now to your question on, on uh, increased earnings, let me tell you, like, it's, it's crazy to say like inflation is happening, but like the tipping is only going up and to the right. Like we have the data on like locations, uh, transaction amounts, average tip percent per check. It, it's, it's, it warms my heart to see that people aren't like pulling back. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, like what's interesting is that you're starting to see a lot of these non-traditional uh, outlets, coffee shops for, for uh, taking tipping um, as a means to increase earnings for employees. And you walk in, cloud-based POS is enabled to tip. And now the place that I go get coffee at every day, I can leave a dollar, two dollars plus. And that's just saying, hey, thanks for coming in. We know this is a hard job. I think during the COVID pandemic, I think Americans realize, man, hospitality is a really hard, hard job. These are essential employees. And let's just show our thanks with a few bucks uh, for showing up and being there. And, you know, with a lot of the places you're regular at, you're building that relationship with that barista, with that bartender, with the owner-operator. Um, and so we're seeing certainly average tip-outs going up as far as a percentage. I will leave you this uh, final comment. What's really interesting is as we look at a percentage of a check, coffee shops actually um, yield the greatest percentage of tip per transaction. Um, and you got to mm-hmm. think about that. You're getting a $3 cup of coffee or tip in a dollar. It's 33% right there. And so you're starting to see a lot of these quick serve coffee shops drive through, start turning on tipping because it's just a, a fantastic way for a customer to say thanks and an employee to earn more. Yeah, I love that. And so you, you kind of touch on this, but you know, Q, QSR is have been known as a, a no tipping area for the most part. In a lot of places, yeah. uh, it's almost seen as tacky. And I think it's also maybe because of that um, pre-COVID uh, or whatever era it was, it's like, bro, I just came in, I got a $3 cup of coffee. Now you want another dollar for me? Like, come on. But I felt the same thing. And like these people, they show up, they were grinding it out. You could argue they're putting their life in danger. At the very least, they're putting their health in in danger uh, and possibly the health of their family. But they're there, they're serving, um, and, and they're grinding through it. And there's so much respect for that. And um, I think it has created a, a scenario where tipping at a QSR or um, an elevated quick service experience, I feel is actually way more acceptable now. Now, 
I have a sense of anxiety when I see a tip line. It's like, oh God, I got to put something there. <laughs> you know, I can't walk away from it. Um, I do actually enjoy the discretion of the flip the screen a little bit better. Yeah. Um, because I, I can choose and, and they don't have to see what I've yep. written in. And I also don't have to be put on the spot to do math, uh, yep. which is more anxiety. Um, but how do you see QSRs? I mean, do you think this is a wave where QSRs are going to adopt gratuity as uh, for every reason you said? Yeah. Um, and I, ha- I have this. I got to I got to agree with you. I tell you, when I, you know, would show up to a coffee, a, a coffee restaurant or a shop, I'm sorry. And they're behind the glass panel because conveniently the POS is also behind the glass panel, right? Which we, we understand for protection. And then they yeah. ask you that question and there's 10 people behind you. Yeah, that's awkward. That's tip shaming. New York times put an article out about this. So I do appreciate, um, those that flip the POS and let me do it on my own. And I tell you what people are doing. Yeah. So, um, I guess it's on a, a restaurant, coffee shop, cafe to cafe basis, but I totally feel you on that one there. Uh, yeah, tip shaming I mean, is real. So what's worse than tip shaming is uh, is the uh, philanthropy shaming. Um, so yeah. like when when you're like, would you like to round? Would you like to donate to blah blah? And I'm like, ah, I'm like, I just can I show you how much I donate to like the nonprofits? So you know I'm not a jerk <laughs> when I say no, I don't want to donate more. <laughs> um, like the one that always yep. gets me is Children's Miracle Network. My nephews yep. have benefited from the Children's Miracle Network. I donate a lot to it every year. And then when I go to the grocery store, it's like, would you like to donate to Children's Miracle Network? I'm like, bro, I do like a lot. <laughs> just right now, I don't want to. And it's yep. just, uh, no, I got you. so embarrassing. <laughs> you know, I got, um, I got you on that and I agree, but I do think, you know, QSRs are starting to kind of wise up to this. Uh, we had a, a conversation with the largest quick service restaurant franchisor, um, globally, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and they don't enable tipping today. And you know, what they've done in the past, um, all, and unsuccessfully is they've rolled out these EWA earned wage access programs. Hmm. And essentially what that is, is these, uh, there's variety of vendors out there. It'll allow the employee to draw down on already earned wages. Think of it like a, a payday advance, right? And mm-hmm. let me tell you a great solution for disintermediating predatory payday advance companies, right? But what's happening is, and, and specifically we were talking to an 800 location, um, primarily drive through 60%, drive through 40% um, in store. They had one, I think it's one and a quarter, 1.5% adoption. What they found with their employees is that their employees were afraid that they would not have enough money by the time they would actually um, receive their paycheck. So whereas HR said, this is a great benefit, we're letting you get it every single day. The concern was, well, I if I take it every day and I pay a fee for it, uh, I'm not. I'm going to be paying an exorbitant amount, amount of fees for uh, a product or for my pay that I would normally wait for a payday. So there is merit in that solution, although the adoption, especially now, is people are just concerned they don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. Those software companies would argue, well, we're giving them money right away to help them afford groceries, and and so it goes both ways. But let's talk about not giving the employee earlier access to their wage, but perhaps increasing their earnings, and so. You know, one plus one equals five there. You could do EWA plus tipping and boom, off you go, right? But Mm -hmm. what we found is that there's less adoption of just pure EWA products and and, and more adoption of pure tipping play. Why? Because coffee, let's go back to this coffee shop example. So we work with a very large coffee chain. Um, They enable tipping. And what they had found is they increased the employee's earnings by $4 per hour. 
more. Mm. Now, get this, at zero expense to the operator, the same provider dropped their EWA program due to low participation. They said, this is just so irrelevant for us today. We don't want to be in the business of getting payday advance. We want to be in the business of increasing earnings um, and giving to them every single day. So um, mm. what we found is that, that a tipping solution increases the earnings for that particular employee by four plus dollars per hour. And they have access to that every single day so that when their paycheck comes in one week or two weeks, it's a traditional paycheck that they're earning. Owner operators love it because they're effectively not increasing the earnings. Customers love it because they can say, thank you for putting yourself at risk as an essential employee. And employees love it because they're getting instant and daily pay every single day above and beyond what they budgeted for based off their paycheck. Right. I love that. So you mentioned franchise. Uh, how is the sales in the franchise systems? How does that work? Because uh, we know they're more complicated than if it were corporate owned. Um, is yep. it a, a matter where you have, does it actually come from the franchisor or do you have to get buy-in from each individual group? Yeah, you know, it goes, it actually goes both ways. Um, so I'll use some examples for you. Um, so we work with um, FSC Franchise Corp out of Florida. They do Brass Tap and Beef O'Brady's. So we went live with all their corporate stores. It was a successful pilot. They loved it. And so now every new franchisee that's boarded is introduced to Kickfin um, as their instant tip solution. So that's a, a, an example of you know top down. Now, if we look at an example of, uh, and we also do that for, for walk-ons as well. We did fastest growing sports bar uh, in America right now, backed by Drew Brees and, and others. And top down did corporate first. Now it's part of the new store onboarding. Now we can talk bottoms up in that case. Like with Marcos Pizza, we started working bottoms up with franchisees that said, we are having a really hard time recruiting drivers. We've looked at using these third-party issued prepaid pay cards in the past, but these drivers don't want another bank account. They don't want to be nickel and dimed on the back end with fees, and they don't want to have to go to a, an ATM that's 10 miles away. Um, and so we start working with the franchisees, which ultimately at scale, when we have X number of franchisees, it puts us in front of corporate, and they're like, this is a no-brainer, and they build it in. So you have Love to it. actually, in the franchise level, work bottoms up and top down. And we have tremendous number of success stories in that regard, both in like top down, bottom up, but also disintermediating like pay card programs. Because what's interesting about those pay cards is really great solution 10 years ago. But if you look at the modernization of payments networks, there are solutions now that completely negate the need for a third-party issued card People today, they want their money uh, where they bank. They don't want their money on a gift card. And so yeah. hopefully that's a, a good example as far as um, how we've gone to market both top down, bottom up. Um, so we also focus yeah. a ton on like corporate owned chains as well through some uh, partnerships that we have in place. But I think it's important that in some cases you'll have the ability to actually lock down corporate first, but in many other cases, you might need to have a slew of various franchisees really championing your product to even open the doors at the corporate level. Yeah. I, I love all that. That's, that's, uh, <clears throat> usually how it works. I mean, if you can get the franchisees on board, like franchisor will fall in line, if not for any reason, just to shut them up. But, um, so you, you mentioned, uh, you got this to market with MVP. Um, where, where are you at now with, uh, the development roadmap and what, what's the yep. future look like? Cause I mean, I, I just in this talk alone, I can see so many power partnerships, which could easily s 
spur like convergence or adoption of new features yep. and, and stuff like that. So what's that look like if you're allowed to share? Yeah. And we're, Hey, at Kickfin, we're open book. We don't keep the cards close to our chest at all. Um, so yeah, so really kind of where we're thinking is what's interesting is when we started this company back in 2017, it was, we're going to be a great solution for full service restaurants with one to 10 locations. And then COVID hit and, you know, we were fortunate enough to close, um, a round with Loomis, uh, April, one month after March, 2020. And what we found is a dramatic growth in the pizza delivery segment. And so we're like, wow, like we are growing like crazy with delivery and we were growing crazy with full service that needed to remove cash from operations and going cashless, but they still had the need to pay out digitally. Since then, uh, we've actually seen the product proliferate a variety of different verticals and segments. So our thesis, fortunately, was proven wrong, not just simply full service restaurant, but FSR, QSR, golf and country clubs. We're doing this for hotels. We're doing this for personal services like salons, like sport clips, for example, uh, massage, uh, for example. Um, and the list really grows. SFO for concessions uh, at airports. So we're starting to really see the product be adopted far and beyond FSR. So we'll continue to push and innovate to capture and, and win those segments and be the market dominant player. Uh, and for context, in 2021, we were the largest disperser of tips um, in real time, according to Visa. So what's great about Kickfin as a company is we're a market leader and let the transaction volume do the talking. So we're going to continue to innovate uh, and grow our present in, presence in those segments. Um, now, let's look beyond continual innovation uh, and what is still a very opportune market is we are serving hundreds of thousands of hospitality employees daily, and they're engaging with Kickfin 20 plus times a month. And so what that's going to provide us the ability to do is build banking, financial, insurance, and lending products that are non-predatory, that perhaps these employees mm. normally wouldn't have the ability to qualify for um, because perhaps they're um, going through traditional channels that might not underwrite their the, the risk. And this is especially a big, really holds true today in today's environment. So as we start kind of looking at the path forward, we want to be the financial platform for the hospitality employee delivering banking, financial, credit lending, and insurance products uh, to them specifically. And that's really where we see the future going uh, with KickFit. Um, from a product standpoint. And I tell you, you ask me that question at the end of next year, it's going to be a little different. But at the end of the day, as long as we are employee-centric and we build products for the employees while solving an operational pain point for the employer, we're going to win. Uh, and so we're yeah. super excited um, with the product roadmap ahead and, and what the future has for the business. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the, the way that looks, uh, in general, I mean, yeah. I need more, more systems that are really focused on this kind of thing, as opposed to reinventing, uh, wheels that are already really good wheels. Um, mm -hmm. so it's amazing to see this kind of unfurl as well. So, um, probably the most important question I ask of every interview is this one. Yep. If you had one final meal on this plane of existence, where and what would you eat and why? Uh, that's an easy question. Actually, I didn't have to scratch my head on that one. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, there's this taqueria in Playa del Carmen called El Fagon and they do the most killer tacos, El Pastor. I 
normally would eat three. I'd probably have five or six if it's my last <laughs> meal. Um, and a pair of Modelo's and, and I'm a happy man. So that is uh, without question the, the, the last dish that I would have. Fantastic. Well, hopefully this isn't the last talk we'll have. Um, guys, <laughs> check out Kickfin. Uh, obviously, it's kickfin.com, but are there other places to connect to you, Brian? Yeah, any questions? I, I love talking about the business. I love learning about others uh, in the space as well uh, and others looking to get into the space. Uh, so Brian at kickfin.com. Uh, I'm an open book. Feel free to reach out, anything. And uh, Thanks a lot. Really genuinely appreciate the conversation. Very much so. Absolutely. Yeah, this is brilliant, man. Thanks for making the time. Talk soon. Cool. If you love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.